rolling, 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 rolling. Welcome to episode five of Feather and Mountain Podcast. Today we are talking about the ah, 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 Emmonsfield Five, Emmonsfield Five. <laughs> Joining myself and Virgil today are our good buddies, Vance, the Bard of the Red Hand. Yo, what up, everybody? And Kev. Hello. Um, Vance, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let the people know who you are, how to find you, what you do, how you been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Vance, the Bard of the Red Hand on YouTube. Uh, I've been pretty good. Just released a video yesterday, if I remember correctly, uh, breaking down Tom's guitar that we got from the Wadham Prime drop. So, uh, yeah, if you are interested, go check that out. Uh, you can also find me on the Twitters, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Hand Bard because that was shorter than the Bard of the Red Hand. Uh, they're all me. And, yeah, uh, go find me. Chat me up. We'll have a good time. Beautiful. And you have a Discord. Um, latest video will be linked in the description. Discord, I do have a Discord. Twitter. I always forget to plug it. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. And Kev, who are you? Why should we care about you? And how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm Kev. I'm pretty much just a big old nerd that floats around the discords and hangs out with all my lovely Will of Time fan friends. And that's about the extent of it. I'm, uh, I'm Almond Bunt on Twitter, if any of you are across that. And that's about it. I just kind of like to get, it, get in all these discords and have chats with people and nerd out. And that's what I'm here for. That's what we're all here for. Um, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Verge. Verge, how you living? How you feeling? The weather is trash in Canada right now. <laughs> it's just so hard to be happy right now. We had 20 degree weather. What was it, like five days ago? I got a sunburn and then we got nine inches of snow. Like, grow up weather. How are you? Um, you know, the same. It's uh, It's been a week. Um, definitely have had better ones, but uh, have also had worse ones. So Actually here correct. we are, ready to kick this off and get a little bit more happiness mm -hmm. <laughs> in our lives and hopefully distract uh, from the shit weather and uh, from Kev's hangover and um, from Vance recording in a guest room <laughs> in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so today's episode, we're talking about um, the Emmonsfield Five, like I said, and we're going to break down loosely and without going into any spoiler territory who these guys are why you should care about them and a little bit of their personality and then try to give you some good analogies to other fantasy characters that are similar to them okay no perfect analogies because these characters themselves are perfect obviously um but we'll do our best <laughs> uh so first up is our boy Matram Coffin. So, if you recall, uh, Matram Coffin is played by Barney Harris. I believe I actually remember him. Yes, the little impish looking one. You guessed him correctly, just based on appearance. Matram Coffin is born in the year 978 New Era. Our story takes place in 998 New Era. So That's the first time you told me the age. There we go. Uh, if we do some quick maths, 998 minus 978 is? Clean 20. Clean 20. Yes. Born, <laughs> uh, he's born towards the end of the year. So he's 19 or 20 when the story starts. We don't quite know. 
Um, his parents are Abel and Natty Coffin, and uh, they have been cast. This is Abel Coffin. So that's Matt's dad, uh, Christopher. Christopher. Mm-hmm. Huh? Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Is playing <laughs> Abel <it>. Coffin. <laughs> uh, and down here we have Juliet Howland uh, playing um, Natty Coffin. She so. has an amazing voice. Have you heard her sing? Yes. It's incredible. I've never even heard of her. So, no, I have not. But I, <laughs> am I allowed to look that up? Um, well, after this, we're going to have Lauren from Unraveling the Pattern on. And he's doing these video series called What 101. And he kind of breaks down uh, in a spoiler-free way who the characters are and like some of the settings and things like that. And uh, Juliet Howland, who's p- playing Natty Cawthon, actually recorded her singing for him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's in the video. So you will be able to hear her sing. She's quite talented. I was fully assuming you'd be the first singing that I would hear on all of this. I don't know if any of you know, but Delusions loves karaoke. And I've heard her Ooh. give creative interpretations on quite a few songs. If you know her energy, it is quite <laughs> impressive when she sings with it. Speaking of unraveling the pattern, I believe he just released a Watt 101 on the Cawthon family yesterday. Yes. So that's the one that has Juliet Howland uh, singing mm-hmm. in it. So... Um, I'll link that one just because we've talked about it today. But like I said, uh, Lauren is going to be on with us. So we'll go into that's when we'll go through his videos and do them in the spoiler free way and kind of chat with him about that, um, as well as like some more world building stuff. Um, So in addition to his two parents, uh, Matt has two sisters, Bodwin and Eldrin. Uh, Our boy Matt is five foot 11, 170 pounds. He's got brown eyes and brown hair. His hair is long enough to reach his coat collar. Like, picture himbo and, like, you've got Matt nailed, uh, nailed in your head. He's, uh, he's a little bit impish, a little bit mischievous. He's a village trickster. Those are my notes on Matt. Fellas, what do you have to say about our dearly beloved Matram Coffin? Vance, you want to take off first? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, about Matt. Uh, he's, he's definitely a jokester. He loves a good practical joke and, uh, definitely the ones that skirt the line of like, this is acceptable. He's like, mm, let's go, let's go just an inch further than that. So, uh, one of my favorite ones is covering the dogs in flour and then them running through. Was it Lou, Mr. Luhan's house? Is that who they ran, where they ran yeah. through? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's one I of my I'm favorites. Gonna, I think I'm going to like this guy. Yeah, he's that. Uh, oh, remember he's, he's when a hoot. we talked about sacking the badger? Mm-hmm. That's him. Mm, okay. Yep. Yeah, sacking the badger to release it on the village green to scare girls. Typical, Fantastic. typical himbo behavior, right? Yeah. Yeah, our our boy Matt. He's definitely the class clown. Uh, he's a dumbass. He's a real dumbass. <laughs> there but we he's go. Really Just bringing one. it out. Yeah. Now I'm really going to say that him and I are similar. So, yeah, this is good. (laughs) Yeah, and he's got a bit of a bad reputation around uh, the Emmonsfield village for getting up to mischief and causing trouble. Pretty much if anything goes wrong, he's the first one they're all looking to. And, um, yeah, there's a bit more to him. It's it's difficult with no spoilers and uh, Mm -hmm. not giving too much away. But even in the early, like, first chapters, you get that he tries to skirt around his duties, but... Once he gets nailed down, he's a, he's a pretty dutiful young lad. He'll do what what's right, but 
mm-hmm. if he can get away with what's wrong, then that's what he'll do first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think that's the perfect way to say it. Yeah. Um, okay, so Vance, uh, what we're going to also do is, like I said, kind of equate these characters to other um, fantasy let's go like movies or TV shows, something that mm-hmm. uh, Verge would have seen. Um, so if right. you had to equate Matt to a character, um, what's the first kind of fantasy character that springs into your mind? Well, that's easy. It's going to be Merry and Pippin for me from Lord of the Rings and specifically the movie versions because they kind of amped up their comical uh, antics for the films. Um, not saying they weren't funny in the books, but they definitely, they definitely kind of notch that dial a little bit forward for the movies um and they you know definitely you can see just parallels in some of matt's joking behavior and his ridiculous antics with some of the attitudes that both mary and pippin share so yeah uh that's gonna be my pick yeah i had mary and pippin written down too and just like the scene of you know the fireworks Mm -hmm. that they steal from gandalf that's uh yeah and then they become good people don't say anything but you, Kev, who do you think? Um, well, it's for TV or film, I find it difficult to really nail down because I'm more of a book nerd myself. But in terms of literature, the fantasy that I've read, which may not be very helpful to you, Verge, but uh, Remini Feist wrote a character called Nakor and another character which is actually the trickster god. And he's, you know, he's essentially that world's version of Loki. And he has his morals and he has his his, uh, his plans, but most of all, he just likes to have fun and mess with people. I love it. Now, how would would you equate Matt to like Loki from the Marvel universe? Like not the one that we first see, but like later on with him and Thor being buddy-buddy? Um, not so much. I think that the Marvel Loki is a little bit too, I don't know, ambitious and, and self-absorbed. Would you this this guy's sounding a lot like Tyrion off of Game of Thrones kind of mentality? Am I right in that? Like a a trickster that yeah. has just a terrible soul, or sorry, an amazing soul but terrible mentality to start with, kind of mentality. Um, Don't tell I, me. What I would he say a, I would say a little less dark, oh, and more of a dumbass. He's also taller. Tyrion's way too smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tyrion's probably same hair. Sa- same same hair. hair. Um, Tyrion's yeah. probably a little bit too bitter at the world, especially book version of Tyrion, because he's mm-hmm. like hideously ugly and has, you know, been downtrodden his whole yeah. life. And in the movie, in the show, he was just gorgeous. Yeah. Which, yeah, they really, <laughs> really, really played it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Tyrion is, is like, he has a chip on his shoulder and Matt has just like lived this perfect existence. His dad's a horse trader. You know, it's a perfect life. He, he just gets like, <laughs> what's better than being a horse trader? <laughs> it's the dream. Um, my uh, so I, I touched on Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Um, I actually didn't have one, so I like I like the Tyrion comparison. I don't think it's like perfect, but again, nothing is. Um, but kind mm-hmm. of that lighthearted, jovial jest, always down for a beer. Got another one. I was gonna say Fred and George Weasley, the hybrid yes. from Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Especially movie version, <laughs> we don't yeah. see a lot oh, of yeah. um, their behind-the-scenes stuff. But uh, Marauders Map, Jokesters, again that um, Order of the Phoenix when they leave the school and they, you know, put on their big firework display. Any questions about Matt? Do you feel like you you got a good grasp on him? 
he's gonna be the comic relief for sure like he's got it there's gonna be everything else just seems so dark at so many places so i feel like he's gonna give a lot of comic relief but he also is gonna change throughout the show like crazy all those characters that are always a trickster always have layers that you don't see in the start so yeah that'd be one i'm excited for for sure so also comparisons to shrek he's got onions have layers (laughs) yeah (laughs) they stink (laughs) okay uh next up we're gonna chat about Egwene alvere so this is our gorgeous madeline madden from australia so maddie playing Egwene alvere i think we decided to call her egg eggalicious eggalicious is probably what you said yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so again i'll just kind of run through like her her stats Mm -hmm. and then i'm going to pass it to kev to talk a little bit more about you know her as a character um so Egwene is born in 981 new era Mm -hmm. so again matt 978 Egwene 981 story 998 that's quick maths she's around 16 17 when the movie started so i hope you have the sound of music in your head she is the fifth daughter of Bran and Marin Alvere, who have also been cast. She was actually, so this casting announcement was dropped the same day, uh, which was way back on June 24th, 2020. So it was um, last June that we got these guys. So this beautiful man, Michael uh, Tuahine, is that how I say it, Kev? T-U-A-H-I-N-E. How well, would I know? I think you got Michael right. Yeah. <laughs> Smashed it. Uh, I think he's I think he's Australian indigenous as well. So um, is he? yes, but this is so this is him, and I think he's absolutely stunning. Great kid. Yeah. Look at those teeth. They look like perfect checklets. Um, and then his he's, he's honestly too handsome to be Bran Alvear. So yes, because Bran in the books is described yeah. as like this. Uh, he's the innkeeper of the he's wine an spring. Inn. That's enough. Yeah, there, there's never been a good-looking yeah. innkeeper in any show ever. Like, right. So he's and, like, well, there's the gorgeous innkeeper coming around the corner. There's Cinderella, and then there's no one, no male. No, take that, ever. Matt Hatch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's uh. In, in the books, you know, he's portly. Uh, he's the mayor of Emmonsfield. He just kind of totters around. He is they not it, He is not like Zaddy, Zaddy Pran that we see here. Uh, <laughs> just, just looks like an innkeeper to me. Look at this. Oh, my gosh. And, like, he's on Instagram, and he definitely has, like, an eight-pack. So, stunning. Of, of paps? <laughs> 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 that's, what, that's what an innkeeper would be. <laughs> Um, an innkeeper be a keg bud (laughs) (laughs) yep so along with Bran we also got the casting of Lolita or sorry of Marin Alvere who's played by Lolita um, Chakrabarty and again just stunning so you can really see how someone um, like Egwene Alvere came to be with like these two as her parents yeah definitely she's she's not an innkeeper as well is she (laughs) She just uh, what what's she famous for making? Honey, honey cakes? cakes, honey cakes. Yeah, my, that was my second and all guess. other things. She's the best cook in the village. Yeah, we have it on good authority. She's the best cook in the village. 
good thing that she's pulling her weight when she's married to the innkeeper. <laughs> there may be a reason he's portly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, Egwene, born from the loins of Marin Alvere with the seed of Bran to create the fifth of five what daughters. A great description of mm, you. being a parent. <laughs> anyway. Gird your loins. <laughs> um, so she's the fifth daughter of Bran and Marin. Um, she's five foot three inches uh, with large brown why, eyes. Why is, why is height such a big thing in this show? <laughs> I, like... just, I always find the description so interesting because the men are like huge. And even when a woman is described as tall, she's like five foot eight. But like, this show better not disappoint on the height thing if you're going to tell me this. Because, like, what a guy in Hollywood lists as 5'11 is a clean, like, 5'7 for the most part. Like, she's going to be listed as 5'3, but she's actually 5'5, five five, and he's going to be listed as 5'11, and they're going to be an inch of difference between them when they're standing there. So, anyways. Just yeah, weird. it's Hollywood. Yeah. I just, like, I like uh, to... They'll pull out a box. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to, like, bring attention to this because I just think the descriptions and especially the comparisons between, like, men and women are so funny and like the level of depth he goes into with the men and like again emphasizing height and all of that stuff and like the women are like within inches of each other um so she's five foot three large brown eyes dark hair um that's pretty much the only physical description that we get and we touched on this in our last episode so we don't need to go down that again (laughs) covered it we covered it i think yeah um and uh, i really liked so there's this quote about her Um, And it was in the companion, but I think it might have been said possibly in the books, but whatever. I'm just quoting it as canon. Um, Whatever Egwene did, she did to the hilt. So full send when it comes to Egwene commits with everything that she has. Um, She's not holding back anything at all. Kev, your thoughts on our girl Egwene? Firstly, I'm fully prepared that I'm going to have a massive crush on Madeline Madden by the time this show's on television. Um, I think she's the perfect casting for our girl, Egwene. Um, the more that I've learnt about Madeline Madden, the more I feel that she actually is Egwene in terms of personality and, um, yeah, just uh, the way she moves around throughout the world and gets involved. And, yeah, she definitely definitely is eggy to me, so that's great. Uh, for a grain of salt, yeah, uh, youngest of five, definitely got something to prove. Um, it's, it's no spoiler to say you get a very early conversation in the books about her wanting to see a bit more of the world than her little corner of it in Emmonsfield. She wants to get out there and, and, uh, you know, have some adventure and see what's going on and experience it all. Uh, in terms of like, Comparing her to maybe uh, another notable character, there's definitely some shades of uh, Hermione Granger in there. She's definitely, she pushes to excel. She's not happy being second best at anything. She wants to learn, she wants to experience, and, you know, good work ethic. She's my personal favorite character throughout the whole series, and I am very excited to see her come to life. So, I don't want to one-up you there, and I don't want my wife to hear this, but I think I have a crush on her whole family at this point in time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're, we've got a couple people that will be in the same boat as you for that. That could make for some awkward circumstances, mate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vancy, what do you have to say about Miss Alvere? Uh, she's total boss. She takes can take charge of almost any situation she's put into. Uh, there's very little that she can't handle. 
this is also displayed, I think, pretty early on just with how she carries herself and how she thinks about things that are happening. Uh, yeah, she's just there's not much more I can add than to what Kev said, honestly. Um, you know, you could to use another Game of Thrones reference. I think you could say she's got she's a little like Arya in terms of once she learns about this a bit way to become stronger and better than she is currently because that's that's the thing about Egwene is she's always looking to learn uh and she pursues that with uh near singular purpose at various times so yeah i mean that's that's about as far as i can go without retreading what kev did and without getting too much further into spoiler territory so both the characters that you guys chose i wouldn't want to say it's an overall standpoint for everyone for myself both those characters can be a little bit perceived sometimes as annoying or know-it-all kind of mentality is that kind of what you're alluding to both of you with the characters you've chosen minus the fact they're both obviously shockingly intelligent um very amazing at everything they do but they're both very have to prove and have to know it all that's kind of the mentality of your choices interesting Uh, i mean i wasn't i (laughs) I would say that's a pretty fair assessment i'd say that's a pretty fair assessment there's definitely uh a girl eggy can definitely rub some people the wrong way Mm mm-hmm I mean, um, I Hermione rubbed the guy the wrong way the most that the, she ended up marrying. So, I mean, rubbed the wrong way sometimes works out in the end, right? So, Giggity. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this character. I don't think there's going to be a lot I'm not going to be excited for, but obviously she's someone that has a large, large focus. Not excited that her dad's supposed to be an innkeeper and he's like a 10 out of 10 because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But nothing against innkeepers if that actually is a general profession still in the world. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Hey, we 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 all know at least one innkeeper. <laughs> it's a it's a virtual inn now. Yeah, uh, Matt, if you're listening, um, we love you, and and you're right up there with Zaddy Brand. Don't worry. <laughs> In terms of characters, yeah, I had kind of the same thing. I had Hermione from Harry Potter, although it's not a perfect fit. I think she. Uh, I mean, Hermione's younger too when we when we first meet mm-hmm. her, so she carries herself with a little bit more confidence, I would say, through it, throughout like when we first meet Egwene. But she's older than when we meet, you know, eleven year old Hermione. Um, less self conscious when it comes to, especially if we're talking about like book Hermione, who was really self conscious about her teeth and her big bushy hair. Obviously, Emma Watson did not have to go through any of those struggles in the movies. <laughs> um, so. Perhaps uh, more similar to Emma Watson's portrayal of of Hermione than than book Hermione. I couldn't think of a good Lord of the Rings comparison. One, I never really finished the series because I think uh, it's terrible. I loved the movies. Um, As much as I love Lord of the Rings, it's not exactly overflowing with strong female characters. Yeah, yeah. But even even in terms of yeah. like trying to find um, a male character. Like, I don't mind if mm-hmm. we, you know, if we equate her to male characters in fantasy either, um, or vice versa for the, for the guys. I just couldn't think of There's one. There's no one of youth in that show, though. Yeah. No one's young. You don't even know how, I, I didn't read. I don't know if the Hobbits, they probably are listed their height and their weight and their everything Frodo's in the book. Frodo's 33 when it starts, 52 when it ends. 33. But he's a Hobbit, so he ages differently. Mm-hmm. Faster or slower? Slower. Oh, cool. The more you know. And and the one ring helps too. It slows yes. him. Just how it was. What was it? Bilbo's birthday. A hundred and eleventh. Yeah, eleventh. Eleventh. 
or 11-1, something like that. And he didn't look like a day over 60. Uh, and then I also had Arya for Game of Thrones kind of comparisons with a mix of Sansa mm-hmm. in there, but I think I might want to strike the Sansa yeah. comparison. Uh, I, see, I thought about Sansa, but mm-hmm. they don't quite... It's too different in my mind. Like, they have a couple of things they parallel on, but I don't think it's enough to draw the comparison. No, Sansa's I think a there's bit... some Cersei comparisons to be made. Yes. And yes. and even um, Daenerys Targaryen, I would say, in, mm-hmm. in late like later books when she actually, like, you know, not when she's 13 getting raped by Khal Drogo. Uh, not, not that fun little experience she goes through. Um, but later on in the series when she actually is Khaleesi and taking control and just... Um, Burning everyone alive. Yeah. yeah. The, the drive and the focus... I think is is where you make those sort of comparisons there. She's a very, yeah, just very, very driven individual. Yeah, and not uh, not beholden to the patriarchy or societal expectations. She is apprenticed to Nynaeve, who we'll get into. Um, she's apprenticed to Nynaeve as, as a wisdom, and she kind of understands that her role is not necessarily to get married and stay in Emmonsfield. It could be to go to a neighboring village or one that's a little bit further away and practice as a wisdom, um, you know, separate and apart from, from any man who might think that he has intentions of marrying her from, from the outset when we meet her knows her own worth, knows her own value and is career driven. I think all of the Emmonsfield five and, um, Ali from Will Takes put it really well. Where do they get this unassailable confidence, these Hemmingsfielders? They are (laughs) so confident, all of them. It's ridiculous. Like, I'd love to have a little piece of it. Right? Hemmingsfielders themselves are known for being stubborn. Their whole entire village is, is known for just being inherently stubborn. And I think a lot of that does kind of masquerade as confidence at times because they are so confident in their position and they will not be budged from it. Remind, actually, reminds me a lot of you, actually. <laughs> in a good I was going to say that reminds me of small town mentality in general. Uh, believe it or not, like this just having. I'm in the small town that I grew up in for a good chunk of my life, and you know that's just kind of the attitude around here. It's like this is the way we do it, and if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. But this is our place. Yeah, don't don't uh, wear so different there is clothes. A certain amount of confidence. I'm a small towner. Don't wear different clothes and don't change the, the the wheel is working perfectly right now. It's kind of a mentality. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just one more person to compare Egwene to, and that is definitely delusions. Our delusions is a very Egwene uh, paralleled human. That's why you like her so much. Um. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I love myself today. <laughs> Um, okay, up next, uh, we're going to talk about Randall Thor. Randall. Give um, me the physical description. I know it's going to be ready? amazing. Yeah. Are you ready for it? Okay, so he is also born in 978, within weeks of Matram Cawthon. Weeks! <laughs> he is an only child. Oh. Yeah, lonely only. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't share well. <laughs> Does not share well. Does not play well with others. Um... His dad is Tam Althor, who is a single daddy. And yes, he is daddy. Wadham Prime confirmed that Tam is daddy. His mother, Carrie Althor, unfortunately passed away. I think Rand was seven when it happened. So no mom, just uh, just him and his dad. And uh, they live a little bit further out from the village. 
Tam is a sheep herder. So they got, you know, animals and moos. You get it. Sheep don't moo. Cows and sheeps. <laughs> okay. Just an assortment. Yeah. Uh, he is six foot six. Two hundred and thirty-five pounds. He has dark reddish hair and gray blue eyes. So sometimes his eyes are gray, sometimes they're blue. Ugh, it's always a mystery what side we're gonna get. Um, and oh, uh, Tam Althor is cast. Are you ready? I'm assuming it's Chris Hemsworth in his Thor costume at this point in time. And they just added more red to his hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the actor is um, Michael Mickelhatton, I think is how you say his last mm-hmm. name, and I could be yes, wrong. Yes, Michael Mickelhatton. Oh, man, I'm a huge fan of his. He was great in uh, King Arthur in the Guy Ritchie movie. I, uh, I really like him as an actor. Do you know where else you know him from? Tell me. He played Roos Bolton. Oh, right. Yeah. No, no. I'm a huge Guy Ritchie fan. So I uh, and I just watched The Gentleman last night. So totally thinking more along the lines of King Arthur than having to play a character that you hated (laughs) in Game of Thrones. Uh, It was it was an interesting casting choice when this came out, because we had like, you know, Tam Althor is I mean, he's dad goals. He's a single parent raising a son, just living his life. You know, the first time we see him, he's bringing Brandy to the village. Just a good, just a good guy. And the last place that the world saw him as a father was the father to Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of, it's going to be really interesting to see his character, or his, his acting range, because he's got a lot of power. Like, you think the movies that he's in, he's a powerful person to be, to go from that. And I mean, born and raised, farm kid, had a lot of moves <laughs> growing up. I consider my dad a powerful dad, but not like, you know, the characters that he's played. So to go from that to a sheep herder is quite the the spin. So it's going to be interesting to see if they portray him more as a, a beaten down person, I guess, compared to an up rival go, go, go guy. I don't, that's, that's really good. I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of his, so I'm happy he's in it, but that's really interesting for me that he's a character choice. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't. I don't think I have any reservations. But today, uh, I was actually chatting about Game of Thrones and kind of uh, how the ending in the show might mirror that of the books. And then we got onto a topic about Roose Bolton, um, and I, uh, I got reservations all over again about him playing Tamel Thor. Well, and and he's going to be overshadowed, I assume, by his son again. So it's just the exact same thing, like. Yeah, he came in as Roose Bolton, but his son just took off immediately. Like, So I'm hoping that his son isn't a similar character because I hate it. Maybe that's why they cast him. Ooh. I mean, I am going to say that it's hard to overshadow Tam Althor. Just saying. Just putting it out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, anything uh, Vance to add about Rand and his personality? I mean, Rand is a little hard because he seems to have the the kind of mo- like bland personality, right? Like, I don't know. It's, it's different. He doesn't have the thing that sets him apart. Like Matt and Perrin do that right initially, right out front. Like he's just delivering the brandy with Tam at the beginning. It's really the opening scenes you see with him. Uh, I mean, I guess he's like, he's decently good at like seeing stuff out in the woods, right? Like he, he, he can spot some, some things that look suspicious from, from the road. But, uh, it wasn't it's not stuff that's not all that hard to spot if you live out in the country. Just throwing it out there. So he uh, Rand is a little 
dumb. Like he's not very observant sometimes, and he's slow on the uptake. Well, I mean, would you say that's fair? Like, just I'm I'm trying to ballpark it. Really, yeah. I mean, he's definitely free. he's definitely someone that like I don't. So a lot of the first book is through Rand's perspective. So I think some of his personality is intentionally a little bit more vague because the reader is supposed to read themselves into the story a bit more. And um, Rand is not great at being objective about himself. So everything we see is very subjective and he doesn't have a lot of self-awareness when we first meet him. Not a lot of like understanding, which is fair because because he's 1920-ish. So he doesn't know himself yet. And I think by extension, the reader doesn't fully know him either. 1920, never been off the farm. Uh, not really. Just into town and then back, right? So, like, you know, that kind of that kind of person. And yeah, he's... Uh, that everyman archetype is really what makes it hard to nail him down. With just, like, the first book... And this is who he is because, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's, you know, how long the book series is. Everyone changes over the course of the series. So just with him and the point of view, it's a little bit difficult to describe him. I would say that when we first meet Rand, he's very content with his life. He's, he's happy to be a farmer in Emmonsfield, farming tobacco and looking after sheep and, you know, sometime soon finding a wife and settling him down in the little village like that's all he really wants he doesn't want anything more he's happy where he is he doesn't even really seem to think about anything else he just goes along with like that's his life he's a a farmer and he'll be a farmer and that's all there is to it so he's kind of like he's plateaued himself he didn't really look through the glass ceiling at this point in time he's got a lot of tools he doesn't know he has kind of mentality at six foot six yeah yeah he's just sort of like (laughs) He doesn't look beyond the boundaries of his little village and his the life that he has. He's just like he's happy and content to just do what his mm-hmm. father does and and carry on. Yeah, he'll he'll go on an adventure if Matt asks him to. Like they'll go camping at the base of the if, mountains because like, Matt's like, "Let's go." And Rand's like, "Okay." Like if Matt needs him to carry something, like, yeah, he's, he's that friend. Yeah. He, he's the friend that's always available and doesn't have plans, but like, well, I, let's not go too far though. Yeah. I should you be know, really, gotta be back to help with the sheep. I should be really careful with that. Come. My best friend is six, eight and his nickname's Bubba. And he does a lot of that stuff. So hopefully he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Bubba, you're a great guy to go camping with. Thanks for carrying everything. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think in part because he's he's so tricky to lock down as a character, especially when we first meet him. Um, it's also hard to find fantasy comparisons to him. Um, you know, kind of stretching to Lord of the Rings. I kind of thought of Legolas because, you know, Legolas is like this very attractive elf. But in the movies, especially like Fellowship... He doesn't really have a personality, right? He just yeah, kind of dances on snow and shoots arrows. He's not like I don't want to say simple is the word used, but it's he's there's a lot of intelligence and listen, he sees things and he has a lot of yeah, he's got that elf vision and all of those <laughs> things. But he, he he's got a lot of tools that he's honed over years. That's a that's an interesting choice. Yeah. 
Is it just because they're good, good looking? Good call out on the arch <laughs> on on the being an archer too, though, because all of the Two Rivers boys are fantastic archers. Actually, it's one of the things they're famous for. Uh, Tam Althor wins the longbow competition every year, and they have because um, he has the longest bow. Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> I was meaning archer. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, the Two Rivers Longbow is also, um, I don't know if it's like international famous. I'm going to say it is um, just because it's like bigger than your average longbow. Um, I think Rand's staff is taller than him, typically. Like most are, are taller than, than uh, the archer themselves. This guy's six six, and they gave him an. He's an archer. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. At what point in time is that? <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, but like not a practical archer, like not an archer from horseback, like Legolas is. Just like stand, cock, shoot, eventually. Okay. And you got to remember these, like they're not archers in the like soldier sense of the word. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not military. Yeah. They're just farmers. Yeah, you know, they use their bows for yeah. you know. Hunting. Wolves or foxes or you know pests. Yeah, I, really. I guess I'm just saying at six six two thirteen, I would assume this guy could like split a tree in half with his left hand swinging, right? So I just it's a surprising thing to hear like he's incredible with actually with an art you know archer like he's, he's that's just delicate he's, with a bow. he's delicate with a bow like it just wasn't what I saw coming so that's fine he's got one sheep under uh, this arm you ever see, you ever seen a longbow some of those yeah. things got 190 draw pound like come on that's true yeah. That's true. Yeah. So there we go. Rand with the bow. But yeah, Legolas. Um, and like I said, like we get more personality from Legolas in the next two movies. Um, but Fellowship, he's very like, we don't know about all of his skills. We literally see him one time, you know, shading his eyes and like looking into the distance and he calls out birds or some he, shit. Yeah, but Legolas is just like a, just a stud like there's nothing he can't do it just looks like they should be letting him loose the whole time <laughs> instead of holding him back the other characters are like fighting so hard whereas he just doesn't sweat and just does everything like yeah, yeah. just exists as a beautiful little like pretty man himbo straight hair perfect straight <laughs> hair. so i don't think that's like i don't think it's a perfect comparison it's hard to find a perfect comparison in lord of the rings to him um i don't know any any thoughts kev on who else randy I was actually thinking um, Bruce Banner. Oh, I mean, it, it's made, it, it's not really spoilery because obviously things are going to happen in this series, and these are the main characters. I, I hope so. Yeah. In, in Rand's case, I would say he doesn't really embrace these things. He's he do, he doesn't want to be involved. You know, he's kind of you know it's through circumstance that he he has to be involved in all the crazy stuff that goes on. He doesn't sort of you know. He wants to just go back to his farm and, and play with his sheep. What's Sean? Uh, I, and the, he, he's in Game of Thrones, Sean Bean, for like one episode. Ned Stark. Ned Stark. Sorry, forgetting him. Like he's uh, who someone that I would think is a character that was content, maybe not to the level of intelligence and all those types of things, but someone that just was content where they were, had no interest in going to that. I mean, Jon Snow would be another great example. Yeah. You know, I never wanted it, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, Ned was definitely com- compelled by duty to go and be the the hand of the king so that that's a decent comparison he was content to just hang out in winterfell till the end of his days um john snu uh at the beginning especially when he's ostracized to the wall 
from the window. Choose to go to the wall. (laughs) I mean, like, choose is a great life. Yeah, it wasn't like an active choice. I don't think. Um, But you know, did his duty, went along with it because someone told him to. I think like that initial comparison for sure could align. What do you think, Fancy? Anyone else stand out to you? Well, I mean, it's so hard because I've read the whole series and I have a lot of characters that I could actually compare Rand to in my head right now, but uh, trying to keep it to early on, I agree with everything we've pulled out so far. Um, I do think in the first book, I mean, we definitely see some of that like duty-bound mentality that Rand has, but specifically to his friends, right? Specifically to the Emmons Field Five. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I have characters I want to say, but I'm not going to say them because they're going to, they're going to be spoilery. (laughs) Thank you. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. He's a little Bruce Banner. He's a little bit Legolas, maybe not really. He's a little bit Ned Starkey. That's Rand, perhaps. Bland Althor. (laughs) Bland Mm -hmm. Althor. Bland. Yeah, Rand the Bland. All right, we're going to go next to Nynaeve Elmira. So she is our wisdom of Emmonsfield. Um, she was born in 974, which makes her four years older than the boys, seven years older than Egwene, and 24 when our story in the books starts. Uh, I think... It's much like they did in Game of Thrones. I think they're going to age these characters up a little bit or maybe just not even tell us their ages. She is uh, five foot four. So she's one inch taller than Egwene. She has uh, big dark eyes. And this is um, a description that stood out to me and I think it's hilarious. So she has big dark eyes, though not as big as Egwene's. They're not as big. Um, and dark hair, which she wears in a long, thick braid that goes to her waist. Her parents are dead. So she is uh, Orphan Annie. Um, no sibs. Just her. Yeah. And she's the wisdom and she's one of the youngest wisdoms. Um, so she, you know, uh, heals the people of her village with herbs. So she's she's trained in herbs. She's trained in uh, weather. She can kind of predict when storms are coming. Um, is the leader of, of the women's circle. And yeah, I think that's kind of our, our stats, stats and facts about our girl Nynaeve. What you got on Nynaeve there, Vance? Nynaeve is someone who has been like an older sibling her whole life and carries that mentality with her uh, very strongly into her role as wisdom and now is able to with this new status, able to kind of use that on even older folks in the village, especially those who be misbehaving, of which there are plenty. Um, she is known for a thumping stick, if that's going to give you any indication of her general disposition um, towards her role and her place in the village. But part of that is being the youngest wisdom ever for her village, she has a bit of a chip on her shoulder and she's got something to prove because there are plenty who probably think she's not fully capable due to her age. So um, she is loyal to a fault. And that's that's naive. Yeah, I should I should also mention um, she's played by Zoe Robbins. Um, yes. 
who we went over and who was absolutely breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's from New Zealand, so very close to to uh, Madeline Madden over in Australia. Um, anything else to add about Nynaeve, Kev? Yeah, I'd say um, there's definitely some imposter syndrome going on in there. Um, she compensates for she she's treated with a little bit of lack of regard again that younger wisdom the youngest wisdom they've ever had uh, she compensates for that a little bit with uh, aggression and a bit of an overbearing nature um she is when it comes down to it she is just like walking talking passion and you know she she cares a lot about everything and it sometimes overflows yeah i think i think loyal to a fault is a, is a good description yeah, definitely passionate. She's fiery. She's uh, got a quick temper, a quicker tongue. Um, she's, as as has been mentioned, she's got a chip on her shoulder and she does take things uh, personally. Um, she will thump the patriarchy and bring it down <laughs> as quickly as she can. Uh, she doesn't tolerate fools. Brilliant mind. Um, yeah, just absolutely, absolutely steadfast in her loyalty. Mm-hmm. If if you if you make it into her inner circle, um, she will have your back for life. And absolutely, absolutely no ability to self assess. Yeah, <laughs> none, none. But high, like super, super smart. Actually, she's able to put things together that some aren't. Uh, so, just some points we forgot to bring up. Sounds a lot like a teacher that you had when you're in high school, university, or whatever that you absolutely hated at the time, and now that you've grown up, you realize how much help they were to you during that time of your life, kind of mentality. Someone you loathe because of the person and how strong they are, but then later in your life, like, oh, thanks, that actually helped out a lot. Yeah, actually, I think that's like super apt because, like, like I've mentioned, mm-hmm. I started reading these books when I was 11, and I hated naive. I hated her so much. Um, And then, uh, you know, as I got older, especially as I hit my 20s and now my 30s, um, she's my favorite character by far. And the one I I think I identify to the most. (laughs) So she's uh, uh, definitely a thorn bush. um, But yeah, just uh, a fan favorite, which shocks some people, uh, especially on their first read as they're going through that, that people can actually like this character. Um, but she has, uh, what she says does not reflect her actions or how she feels. So she's, she's someone to kind of assess it at various levels and, and, and someone I would encourage viewers, um, to judge based on her actions, not necessarily her words. Right. Well, that's that's something she shares with Matt too. That's something we didn't actually bring up when we were talking about Matt. Was that he he's similar in that he he'll say something and do the opposite of what he's actively saying, uh, which generally he's saying complaints, and then he's doing the thing he's complaining about anyway. Both he and Nynaeve are, are very similar in that regard. And I gotta I gotta vouch that thirteen year old Kev reading the series hated Nynaeve. And I came to the realization very recently that almost every woman I've ever dated has pretty much been naive. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with a bit of maturity, uh, definitely the view of, of the character of naive can change dramatically. I had a really hard time finding similar characters to naive just because I think it's, it's tough to find like really strong women um, in 
fantasy. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if, if you guys had any better luck trying to draw comparisons. The closest I got was Smog from The Hobbit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just... You know, really passionate and I mean, fiery. I, I definitely, fiery, I definitely fiery. agree that Nynaeve is difficult to draw a comparison to, but I think that's mostly because Nynaeve is actually kind of unique in her specific character arc and the archetype that she fulfills within the series, right? So, um, especially within like modern fantasy and stuff, I'm talking stuff that was concurrent with Wheel of Time that would have been made into a movie or television show since it's difficult, right? Uh, in this kind of regard, like wheel of time's a little groundbreaking, you know, there are definitely in modern fantasy series characters. I think you could draw parallels from, but they might not be someone that Virgil knows. So probably not. No, I, uh, I, I just have to ask, like, what about in the Witcher, the, um, the teacher, obviously I, I'm drawing a lot of teacher comparisons, um, I forget what her name is by any means in the imagination, but uh, something like that, something that teaches people, but obviously there's an age gap. So I, 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 I see the uniqueness already because somebody of this powerful, this authoritative at that age is very unique. I can't, I was just thinking non-fantasy in my head. I can't yeah. think of anything. So I've got, I, I did think of a comparison, which is like, I could imagine young naive being like Moana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like on a quest will stop at nothing to get what she wants wants to like heal her village heal her you know and just provide the best that she can so mm-hmm. yes i will uh, accept lin-manuel miranda writing songs about nynaeve and mm-hmm. when they talk about emmonsfielders and two rivers folk being stubborn nynaeve is the one they're talking about she is the most stubborn yes. person in the entire, like, Randland. Mule-headed, as they would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does, does not know how to say sorry, so she could, she could take a lesson from Justin Bieber. Mm. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> Nynaeve's kind of like Captain America, actually. Steve Rogers' Captain America. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Like the Pulling black, from the, MCU the black again. and white, and very firm mm-hmm. in her values and right. her morals. And, yes, uh, what exactly. Is, yeah, what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Boom. There we go. Boom. Roasted. Next. Um, so we're gonna finish on uh, someone that I've thrown a lot of shade on. Uh, it's our it's our boy Dorito, Perrine Barra. Um. So I am going to give the stats, like I said. Uh, Vance, I think it's fair to say that you are a parent stan. Oh, yeah. I'm a parent stan. Parent's my favorite of the Emmons, of the Emmonsville boys. He's my favorite. So I'll, I'll do the stats. We're going to hear from Kev about Dorito. And then we're going to hear from Kev about how he's actually spicy Dorito. Mm. And is, is more than meets the eye. Um, so... Perrinay Barra, born in 978. Again, within weeks of Matt and Rand. Weeks! Uh, So towards the end of the year. He is the son of Khan and Jocelyn Abera, who have not been cast. But he was apprenticed at the age of 12 to uh, Mistress and Master Luhan as a blacksmith. So we we don't really see a lot of his 
family initially were, were kind of more introduced to him in the context of the Luhans because that's where he lives and mm-hmm. you know spends time in the forge he does have a younger brother um who's named his name is Patrum and uh two sisters Decel and Adora both younger so um Perrin is the oldest of four and it's kind of like that perfect family of two boys two girls um he's six foot one i think before i said he was six foot four but he's six foot one but weighs the same as rand at 235 pounds um brown eyes and brown curly hair you're picking up the theme of emmons field which is everyone but rand has dark hair and dark eyes he's heavy enough in the arms chest and shoulders to make his waist look narrower than it is hence dorito he is larger and stronger than most other people, especially as a kid. So he was a stocky little kid and he learned from a young age that he couldn't just throw his weight around. So he's very careful and deliberate about everything he says and even the way he carries himself in a room and the way he moves. Smash it, Kev. Okay, so Perrin Barra. I associate with Perrin the most out of all the Emmonsville boys. Uh... Being a, being a tradesman myself that likes to swing a hammer around. Uh, the the way that Perrin thinks and is described to think is very much akin to my own sort of methods. It's methodical, slow. Um, I want to see all the pieces and understand all the little bits and pieces of things and how they come together, um, which is very much how Perrin operates. Um, yeah, you touched on that. He's very cautious about hurting people he's always because he's a big he was a big boy and he was always worried that he could hurt the people around him so he's very cautious and and even like a little bit timid when it comes to um, like confrontation and that not so much because he's worried about being hurt but he's more worried about that he might hurt someone else so from that he's he's a, a bit more similar to rand in that he doesn't have any real aspirations beyond the village He's going to, you know, he's a blacksmith's apprentice and he's going to keep working at the smithy and then maybe one day he'll have his own smithy and that's about all that he really wants in the world. He's a bit of a, the voice of reason for young Matram, who's always getting up to mischief. Perrin's usually the one trying to keep him out of trouble with no yeah. real great success. Saying it's time to come home from the mountains, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about it for, for our first introduction to Perrin. He's gentle giant that's just happy to... To work away and yeah like i said slow of thought methodical what do you have to say in addition to vancy all right so i agree with everything kev said that's just when we meet Perrin. that's exactly how he is he's very into he, it's clear that he has a couple of hang-ups about being a smith he doesn't think he's particularly you know good he compares himself to his master a lot uh to master luhan saying that, well, this wasn't that great, but if Master Luhan had done it, it would have been better, and he's constantly thinking about that. So he's got maybe some self-confidence issues, um, which I think relates back to his slower thought and his constant worry of hurting people. I do think that occasionally, uh, you know, these traits all combine to showcase somebody, to build somebody who is... um, self-conscious or maybe they are hallmarks of someone who is inherently self-conscious um i'm not sure how that works not a behavioral psychologist or anything like that by any stretch but that's just my theory on it so in terms of like 
if I'm going to compare Perrin to a fictional character outside of the Wheel of Time, I'm going to say he's a lot like Clark Kent Superman. Uh, this is very much the same kinds of storylines that Superman has been had written in his story and you know throughout his publication history, um, constantly being more powerful, being feeling a little outside because of that, and balancing it with trying to live a life. I think that's part of the reason Perrin is so content at the Smithy and why he enjoys what he does, because it keeps him in the forge all day where he can uh, just smack metal around with a hammer and stoke the fires and get it hot, and nobody else is around to get hurt while he's doing all that. And he can you know, let all anything he's got pent up out in that forge. Whereas when he finally has to step out of the forge, we see that he has issues, I think, processing some things so yeah that's kind of just my and i didn't want to just retread what kev said because i agree with everything he said so that's kind of my little on top of the thing to add to it i like the comparison um to clark kent i think that's a good one the closest i mm. got was genie from aladdin um <laughs> that's a good one too you know he's kind of contained no, really by the good, rules actually. and the lamp and yeah um he he's got the never... same shape yeah, exactly. Yeah, same shape. An ethereal tail. <laughs> the super uh, buff up top. Um, and he'll never be able to have like that unlimited power because, you know, he's he's constrained kind of by the shackles that he's he's put around himself is, is kind of how right. I see it. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's Perrin's kind of tough because he's like your your almost your average joe i think and not a lot of fantasy books that are written about homebodies who don't want to explore the world and just want to make axes well like so obviously we're at the end of this we've gone through all these and i have to do what i think off of your thoughts so uh, it's tricky mm-hmm. when you started the conversation you start going through this um sam wise gavinji was the first person i thought of the whole time someone that's content doesn't really want to go out there only thinks about other people's feelings, doesn't want to make things crazy, but, you know, just really excited to go home, marry the girl, be happy. Then I switched, when you guys start talking about strength, it's hard not to get into like the MCU into Hulk, right? Someone that doesn't want to be strong, um, but has that capability to do it kind of mentality, but wants to keep that caged in or whatever. The Superman one was, was really interesting. That really threw me for a loop. It just shows that this character has a lot more, to them which is funny because i thought you really didn't like this character and i really like this character this is probably one of the ones i'm most excited for so to be honest this is why she brought us on yeah good (laughs) i need that other view because i'm gonna go in hating so many people off the hop for sure so yeah i I thought i thought we needed a little bit more uh dorita lovin than i was able to provide (laughs) and i know like he's a lot of people's favorite character so he does he does deserve to have some some love and obviously we've talked about Marcus Rutherford and I'll, I'll pull him up again um for you but I really think that that Marcus is just going to do an incredible job with with Perrin and kind of embody all of the traits that we've um talked about and hopefully the writers will take care of some of the things that I don't like as much well yeah I mean Perrin has some moments that definitely uh, a lot of the fandom universally does not like. But I also want to throw out that at various points throughout this show, you will hate each and every one of these characters. They will make you hate them. They will do something you will hate. And then you'll fall back in love with them It would be a terrible show if it wasn't, right? 
Exactly. That's the thing. So Yeah, there should there's only a handful of characters in any show that you like the whole way through, and they're usually the boring ones. That's the kind right. of the, the sidekick that makes everyone happy. I mean, like even Sam Gounji was one of those guys that was just kind of there for the ride, but he was someone that you kind of hated and liked at one point in time in the show. So how dare you, sir? I mean, I love. Of them. course you are, <laughs> and I'm going with you. No, okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> lovable. Sam. Don't get me wrong. He fought with a pot and pan three quarters of the time. He's lovable. I liked him too. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just, but someone that you like throughout the whole series is what I was kind of alluding to there. All right. Um, any other comparisons you have, Kev, for for our boy pair? I mean, Bruce Banner is a great one. Um, you know, again, as we spoke about how he he's worried about his strength and his and his potential to harm people. Um, so it's definitely a good comparison there. He doesn't seem to have the intelligence of the Witcher, though, right? Like he doesn't. I don't get the intelligence side of the Witcher. The Witcher's another guy that had nonstop strength power, but had no interest in helping anybody because just because he was also. Maybe that's a negative one because he's not someone that was that nice. So, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that comparison. I don't think that's a good fit. Um, I think maybe a little bit uh, Papa Lannister. Tywin. Tywin. Tywin, Tywin Lannister. Yeah. In that methodical approach to things, it's he has like he he's not in a rush. He's not unintelligent, but he's not quick of thought. He's everything. Yeah, very, very much methodical. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, he he sets himself a path, and he works on the pieces one step at a time, and deals with one thing at a time. Very, very deliberate and and precise, mm-hmm. strategic, might be um, more of a word to apply to Tywin yes. than yep. than Perrin, but um, depending yeah. on its use, I think it it could go both ways. But one was a king and one was a blacksmith so there's just like <laughs> right, a yeah. little bit more strategy involved i'm not going to say anything negative about a blacksmith but well i mean tywin was the hand who who pulled the strings of the king basically was the king yeah yeah <laughs> the king in all but name um yeah and that's that's kind of it for our ef5 five alive um Hopefully that's a little bit more informative than just looking at their cast pictures and judging them. Way, way better. Yeah, way easier. Also, the most I've ever learned about people's heights and weights, for sure. So next to like NHL hockey players, this is great. Yeah. So well, that's like these are your stat cards. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll yeah. be making and, and dealing, um, you know, the uh, the Watt characters as they go. There's only 2,700 named characters, so we should be in fine fettle um, to get. Uh, Pog 2.0. Are we covering all of them? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I brought the companion yeah, every yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. We're we'll doing also it. be covering wagon cart driver background scene too um, as they cross the road. So don't worry. That guy's got a history and we'll get to it. Perfect. We're, we're doing uh, that today, right? We're going through yeah. everyone? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably pour another beer. <laughs> all right. So for the next 27 hours, um, no, this was great. Thank you guys so much for coming on and uh, and for helping shed a little bit uh, less biased light on our um, leading five. And uh, I will, like I said, link descriptions where to find um, Bard of the Red Hand uh, below. So uh, click on that and be sure to subscribe uh, to Vance on YouTube. Kev, like you said, is floating around discords. Feel free to at him on Twitter at Elman Bunt. You don't need to find me. I'll find you. <laughs> I'll find you. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, thank you, Verge. 
and uh, I will bid all of you adieu. All right. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, friends. You can find Feather and Mountain on Twitter, Discord, Instagram, etc., etc. Links in the description. Have questions, comments, feel free to shoot us an email at featherandmountainpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, definitely send your hate mail to don't forget the banana in the blender at healthyeating.org. Thanks so much. Take care. <laughs>